0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, January 4th, 2022. I don't know exactly what you do for a living, but I want you to think through your profession and think through something. In that world, that would be truly a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity and honor and privilege to do in your profession. I mean, think through if you're in the corporate world, you know, one day you are the one ringing the opening bell for the New York Stock Exchange or you are the keynote speaker at some conference or even if it's just a hobby that you might have or, or something that you're doing at, at home, you know, but your recipe, your homemade thing goes viral and becomes big, whatever that may be and what you would feel on that day, right? Right. That's going to get us into the mode of thinking through what we read about today in the life of this man named Zechariah. We're going to start with our New Testament reading today, and we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. Now, we've started the Gospels, and we've looked at John's kind of prologue, more his theological reflection on the Advent We've looked at the genealogies of Jesus. But now today we're going to get more uh, kind of into the traditional elements of the Christmas story. And a part of that before we get to Mary is uh, this announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. And that's going to put this man, Zechariah, very much front and center in our reading today. And I hope we'll see some things about the bigger picture of, of John the Baptist. But today I want us to reflect on the example of Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was a priest, it tells us, and it says that this really revolves around one day where he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And so if you think about that, he goes into the temple itself to burn incense. There was an altar of incense in the holy place, um, and he goes in to burn that incense. Now, when you factor in how many priests there were, Uh, this would have been a truly once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah. I mean, this was the biggest day in his life, especially at least in the life of, you know, his role as a priest to go into the temple and to burn incense before the Lord. And there's two main things I want us just to Take from the example of Zechariah, and that's where, you know, the, the Bible is more than just giving us good examples. It tells a big picture as we're already seeing really of God's glory and of the gospel and the work of redemption through Jesus Christ. And we'll even get some glimpses of that from this story. But there are some things about the example of Zechariah that I want us to take note of today. And the first is his faithfulness. Now we see that as it describes Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. In verse six, it says, And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. Now, it's also clear that he was old at this point because verse seven tells us that his wife was barren, but it also says that both were advanced in years. So here's this older man, Zechariah. And how does he get introduced? What summarizes his life? Well, he was walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord, and he was righteous before God. And that is something I think that we should say, man, someday when, if they're talking about one day in my life and they've got to introduce me, could that be how I am living my life? in a way that is characterized as walking in God's commandments blamelessly and in his statutes. I do think Zechariah gives us an example of a man who has consistently, faithfully walked before the Lord. And should that not be the desire of our hearts? And again, we know this is not a righteousness that we go out and earn by living a good life. No, they were righteous before God. Uh, Ultimately, if he was a man of faith, his righteousness was imputed to him uh, before God, and we will see that all over the scripture. Righteousness comes through faith, but we see in the example of the saints, then that leads to a life of faithfulness and righteousness, and I do want us to make that uh, something that we pray about today and something that we seek to live a life like Zechariah is said to have lived. But also, we're going to see something about Zechariah that we need to kind of be rebuked in ourselves by as well. And so we come and here. Let's step back for a moment just from the example of Zechariah and be reminded of what this child is, um, right? The angel appears. So again imagine he's there on this biggest day of his life and he's going in to do this thing that no doubt he has thought about many, many times all throughout his life. And as he does, something totally unexpected happens to him, uh, right? That That's not how you draw this up. He wants to go in, do what he's supposed to do, uh, go out, not screw anything up on this big day. But when he goes in, an angel of the Lord is there. And so you can get a sense of why he is troubled and fear falls upon him when this happens. But listen to how the angel describes this son who he was to call his name, John in verse 14, it says, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. And for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink strong wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heart's of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So there we see again, the bigger picture of redemption, John's role as a forerunner of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you also even get a sense of one of the biggest words that John would use was really the idea of repentance, calling people to turn. And it says here, he's going to turn the hearts, uh, of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So there you get a sense of the role that John the Baptist played. But then getting back to the example of Zechariah, you see in verse 18, Zechariah says to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And it seems by asking how shall I know this, that he is not just kind of like we'll see Mary ask asking, well, how is this going to happen? Because I'm old and my wife is old. It seems that how shall I know this really goes deeper into he's asking for a sign. He's asking for something to prove that this is really going to happen. And so the sign that he is then given is actually, I think, somewhat of a rebuke for a lack of faith in this moment where the sign that he is going to be given is that he is going to become mute and unable to speak until John the Baptist is born, which we will read about later. So there, I want us to think about those couple aspects of Zechariah. On the one hand, he is clearly uh, described in a way that, frankly, all of us should aspire to. If we really love God, if we've really put our faith in Jesus Christ, our desire should be to walk blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord. And in that, Zechariah is an example. Uh, But also we see him here be, in in a way, at least mildly rebuked by the angel for his lack of faith. I think that just because we are faithfully following God, there will be some moments in our lives where we might have trouble believing in some, in one of his promises or believe in God's power to do something. And so may we learn from the example of Zechariah and seek to be the kind of faithful people like he was a faithful man of God and also people that truly trust in the Lord and even learning from that rebuke that he received From the angel. And also, again, not forgetting the bigger picture of what's really going on here uh, of the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah. As we move back to the Old Testament now and look at Genesis chapters 8 through 10, I want us to note a couple things here from this ending of the flood story. And as we see the flood subside, one thing we're going to see are really the promises of God. Uh, And one precious and famous one is really uh, comes at the end of chapter eight, where God says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And ultimately we see this sign of the rainbow given as a Uh, a sign of this covenant that God makes that he's not going to destroy the earth in the same way again. But just look at that. Think of where you are, where I am here in Idaho. We are definitely in the middle of winter, the coldest uh, stretch we've had here this winter. But we should take all of that, these signs, and signs and seasons as A sign of God's faithfulness. And you think of that verse in the hymn Great is thy faithfulness, summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold witness to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. Let the signs of the seasons, wherever you are today, speak to the faithfulness and promise keeping nature of God. And one other thing that might just be a helpful thing to draw from this text is really what he says, God says to Noah with regard to the punishment for murder. As God says in verse 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed for God made man in his own image. And I think that's relevant to modern discussions that people have about the idea of capital punishment. The idea of uh, even somebody receiving the death penalty for the crime of murder. And some Christians will say, well, no, that the death penalty does not match up to the character of God. And that's where I would say, if you really think that, how do we square that with what God says here in Genesis 9? Uh, he clearly speaks That He thinks of the justice of the death penalty for somebody that murdered somebody else. And of course, we are right to make sure that that penalty would always be applied justly and rightly, but to say, oh no, God would never be okay with that at all. That doesn't seem to square with scripture. Yeah, but overall, we see the faithfulness of God even in the end of the flood story here. We start to see the spread of people all over the world uh, again after the flood with, with really the descendants of Noah in chapter 10. But as we wrap up today, let's remember the, the example that we see of Zechariah and what happened to him on his big day. And may we be faithful people who trust in God.